Welcome to Cars Yeah, show number 433. Do everything the best you possibly can. This is Cars Yeah, where you'll enjoy interviews with inspiring automotive enthusiasts. Mark Green is here to provide you with a fuel injection of automotive inspiration. So get in, sit down, buckle up, and get ready for a wild ride here on Cars Yeah. I'll never worry again about having a dead battery with my NOCO Genius Boost Jump Starter. This compact tool fits in my glove box and features rechargeable lithium battery technology that'll jumpstart a dead battery in my car, boat, truck, or RV. The Genius Boost features built-in spark-proof technology and reverse polarity protection to safely jumpstart any of my vehicles. The compact, ergonomically designed clamps are built from solid copper for maximum conductivity. There's a built-in ultrabite dual LED flashlight with seven modes, including an SOS and emergency strobe. I use my Genius Boost Jump Starter to charge my phone, tablet, and laptop while I'm on the road or if the power goes out in my home. The unit itself is easily rechargeable in my vehicle. The Genius Boost from NOCO is the ultimate emergency tool that's safe and easy to use. Quality design, state-of-the-art technology from NOCO, the battery car source since 1914. I've got one in each of my vehicles. Get yours at GeniusChargers.com. Hello, automotive enthusiasts. I am revved up and so excited to introduce today's very special guest, Frank Hansowitz. Frank, are you buckled up and ready for a fun ride? Yes, I am. All right. Great to have you here. Frank Hansowitz is the president and general manager at Ed Pink Racing Engines, where he's been since 2001. His career spans 40-plus years in the automotive and motorsports industry. Ed Pink Racing Engines has been engineering and building racing engines since 1965 in Van Nuys, California. Their projects cover everything from engineering, machine shop, particle inspection, fabrication, parts, dynamometer, rooms, and more, to complete engine building and custom fabrication. They work on vintage engines, racing engines, street rod engines, along with design, testing, and complete engineering needs. One of their current clients is Singer, where their engines go into Rob Dickinson's wonderful creations. I would love to have one of those with your four-point liter engine in it. So, Frank, I've told our listeners just a little bit about you. Would you take a brief moment and share a little bit more about your career, your business, and, of course, your passion for automobiles? Sure, Mark. I guess a good place to start is how I got to this industry. I was actually uh, not exposed to much mechanical stuff as a youngster, teenager, like a lot of people were. But shortly after I got my driver's license, came very intrigued with cars and decided that's what I wanted to do for a career. And nothing like telling your parents as you come to the end of a 12-year parochial education, you want to go to an automotive trade school at a community college. <laughs> yep. That's what I went and did. And um, Good for you. Very fortunate that uh, they helped me get a job at the corporate headquarters of Nissan North America as a technician in the engineering department and had a 27, I think, year career there that spanned from being a technician trainee all the way through various jobs in engineering, eventually to the motorsports department, eventually to the manager of all motorsports activity for North America. Wow. I did that for a long time. Late 90s, uh, Nissan wanted to compete in the IRL IndyCar Series when the, that was just getting established. And 
did that for five tumultuous years. <laughs> met Ed Pink there where I hired him as a contractor. And during that program, he convinced me to quit my corporate job and come join him at Ed Pink Racing Engines and help run a small business. And did that, been doing that for 15 years. Wow. Seven or eight years ago, Tom Malloy purchased the company from Ed Pink. Mm-hmm. And we started another phase of the company about that time, 2008, tough time in everybody economically. And oh, yeah. with Tom's good business advice, rebuilt the company and changed direction, made it into what it is today. And we're um, doing multiple projects. As you mentioned, we do the all the engines now for the Singer modified Porsche 911s. And um, we enjoy doing that quite a bit for them, but we have a shop full of Modern race engines, unbelievable collector car, vintage racing engines, a bunch of great engineering projects, build a lot of special projects for motorsports programs. So we're uh, working away and having a good time. Uh, you guys are having an awesome time. And when you look at the engines that are being built at the iconic Ed Pink, I mean, gosh, that name has been around forever. It's really, really inspirational and exciting. I mean, I saw things from 300SO Mercedes engines to, you mentioned Rob's, the Porsche reimagined to vintage race cars, new cars, parts. It's just, it's incredible what you guys do there. And the quality and the level of quality and engineering is really fantastic. The brain trust that you have in your employees just must be overwhelming. We have a great group of people. Everybody here, literally everyone here worked here when Ed Pink owned the company and has stayed with the ownership change to Tom Malloy. And we maintain the mindset and the, the standards and the philosophy that Ed Pink established here a long time ago, which is we do everything we can absolutely the best way we can do it. And then we added to that the good common business sense and good direction from Tom Malloy recently to restructure the company and make it successful and, and still doing things the way that Ed Pink did it all along as long as he owned it. Yeah. I think it's made the company extremely successful. Absolutely. It's wonderful. Well, as we continue on your journey, I always like to start with a success quote. This is some kind of saying that's been instrumental in forming your life and your success. It's a great way to get the inspirational tires turning here on Cars, yeah? So, Frank, take the wheel. <laughs> you know, I, I don't really think there's any one quote from any one person, anything. I was very fortunate when I went to college for an automotive program to have instructors that realized I wanted to do really good work and they provided me the direction to that. When I went to Nissan, the vehicles I worked on were engineering test cars and pre-production prototypes and company executive vehicles and everything had to be the best you could make it. And then I was exposed to a lot of very successful Nissan race teams that were successful because they did, again, the same thing, everything the best you could. And what attracted me to Ed Pink was the fact that he just was the epitome of doing the best thing possible. So I'm really just a big advocate of do everything the best you possibly can, and it's just something from everything I've been exposed to. Absolutely. Well, it's a great way to run a business, and especially a business like that where things are so technical. And people's uh, careers, in many cases, rely on what you guys produce for them. So it's a great way to run through life as well. You talked about getting out of high school and deciding that you wanted to work around cars. Is there a, a story you can share with us that instigated your passion 
for cars. Is there a pivotal moment in your life when you really knew that you were a car guy? You know, I think it's just something that developed. I think that the attraction to develop with an interest in cars and then immediately grew to the mechanical aspect of cars and how they worked and and, and just the intrigue into it. And, and there, there, again, there really wasn't one single event but a series of things that happened. I um, My father, when I was young, owned an MGTD. Then he had an Austin Healey 104. Ooh. <laughs> and then he was he's a very smart man. And when I turned 15 and a half, got a learner's permit, he sold the Austin Healey and bought a pickup truck. He <laughs> sounds like my dad. <laughs> yeah. So he, uh, but I still, I remember those cars clearly and I remember riding them. Yeah. I'm intrigued by them. And, and, you know, we had a very close family friend, had a Chrysler 300, big Hemi powered. Oh, yeah. As Chrysler's were in that era, all their high powered cars were big cars, but I just, remember loving that car and first car I bought I went out and bought something that didn't run and had a plan for what I wanted to make it into and I got most of it there not perfectly but I learned an awful lot through that deal and knew it's what I wanted to do yeah absolutely my dad had a TC when I was a little little boy so there you go yeah we kind of share something there well Frank what I'd love to do now is take a look at some of the roads you've driven down and crawl under the hood, get our hands a little dirty, certainly something you're not afraid of doing, and ask you to share a huge challenge or a great failure that you faced along the way in your career. But the, the real important part of this has to do with how did you overcome that situation to help those listeners who might be struggling with that, and what did it teach you? What did you learn? Probably the most difficult project I ever took on was the Nissan IRL Indy engine program. Mm-hmm. It, um, it was fraught with just uh, complications, unbelievable ones, from the point that four or five months after a time when it was even feasible to execute the project and make the first event, the company waited that long to decide 11 months before the first race. And, and we were behind all the time. There were not enough budget. Even once budgets were established, budgets were cut during the project over the fiscal year periods, it was just, and it, but my motivation was that the end goal, the objective of winning at IndyCars motivated me, and, and we were close. We'd always get so close to, to really being able to reach where we needed to be, and, you know, something always happened. The, the last 10 years I worked at Nissan, nine of those years the company was in the red, and the last, I think, two or three was during the quote-unquote Renault-Nissan alliance, where essentially Renault took over Nissan and ran it. But the way they ran it was to stop all spending, to make it profitable. And <laughs> yeah. It's awful hard to try and execute a motorsports program in an era of no spending. Oh, yeah. Any so business. Was, but the bottom line, you know, we we worked hard. We kept our nose down. We did a pretty damn good job with a minimum, a fraction of the budget it should have had. And and um, I will say it was very character-building, would be a polite way to call it. it uh, <laughs> I can only imagine. Yeah, I learned a lot. The, one of the true upsides of that deal was that I did hire meet and hire Ed Pink and learned a lot from him about how, you know, everything he had done in this business to make it successful. And But um, I think that... Um, 
there was probably a point where anybody smarter than me may have given up, but I never gave up on that program. And, <laughs> and I think I learned a lot from how to do an awful lot with nothing from that. It was good for me. Oh, absolutely. I'm sure. You know, at the time when you're in the depth of it and the alligators are all chewing at your feet, you just think, what can I learn from this? But afterwards, you can look back and realize, okay, I can carry some of those things forward into what I'm doing later. And of course, meeting Ed, wow, how fortuitous. You'd never, who'd ever thought where you'd end up now from that, uh, that initial meeting? Very, very cool story. Let's shift gears here and go to the other end of the spectrum. I'd love for you to share what I like to say is a career aha moment, a time when those headlights come on and kind of illuminate your way for this new direction you had for your career. And tell us the steps you took to turn that aha moment into a success. Well, it goes back to our same, just what we finished talking about. It Uh was during the Nissan IRL program. And um, you say the Nissan's commitment to that program vacillated greatly and things were going from bad to worse at Nissan. And it was a pretty tough time. And and it reached a point where some immediate management thought they could could have a more active role in the program, and I could see it wasn't going to work. And I told Ed that that uh, there'd been a big swing in this program, and it that I didn't think it was good for the future. And he said, "Then just quit the damn place and come help me run Ed Pink Racing." And, <laughs> you know, when you worked in some in, I was very fortunate, Nissan, to have been in a corporate environment with some job security, quite a bit of job security, and yet to be in the racing aspect of it. So it, it was very good, but it got to a point where um, it was painful, and Ed just said, and, I mean, literally, that's how he said it, and, and it, there was no thinking about it. It's like, I want to go do that. I want to stop beat my head against the wall in a corporate environment. I want to go work with somebody who you sit down, discuss all the aspects of possible future changes, where we are, what we ought to do, mull it over for a day or two and decide yes or no, we're not going to do that. And you do it and within days you start to measure results and within a year you know if you did the right thing or not. And it, right. it became actually a lot more rewarding than the corporate environment. It has a lot of risk to it and everything, but it was, uh, but literally that was from the time he said that to I said, I want to do that was, I think, minutes. (laughs) Well, it's a great lesson for those entrepreneurs out there listening who uh, are maybe beating their head against the wall and going, gosh, there's got to be some better way to do this and, uh, or something to do that, you know, I have a a hand in it and I'm not listening to some higher ups in an ivory tower somewhere in suits telling me what to do when I know it's not going to work. So, very nice story. I love it. We're all so happy you made that jump and uh, have never looked back. How about proudest career moments? I would assume you've had many. You've been in this industry for so long. You've done so many things. But is there one that stands out for you? Well, I think from from a career standpoint and accomplishment, I managed a program at Nissan where we raced the 300ZX Turbo in IMSA. Did it for, I think, five or six years. There was a period in 1994 where IMSA made a big restructured their North American racing program and eliminated the very popular GTP category, starting the world, what was the world sports cars, what they called it. But we had this completely sorted 
very strong 300ZX Turbo race car, a great team, the contracted team that ran it, a great lineup of drivers. We had everything we needed, a modest budget, not enough money again in the Nissan deal, but a, a reasonable amount. And with all the regulation changes, we had a killer car for that year, and we took full advantage of it. Won the 24 hours of Daytona overall with it, the 12 hours of Sebring, won the GT class, finished fifth at Le Mans. Wow. Won the driver championship, the manufacturer champion. I mean, mm-hmm. just the right place, right time, right piece, right people, put it all together and had a very dominant year. It was very rewarding after a lot of hard work with good people to have something like that happen. I'll bet. I'll bet. Congratulations. <laughs> what fun. Well, let's have a little bit of fun here and talk a little bit about your first really special vehicle. Not so much your first car, but maybe that was your first special one. I don't know. But if you could share maybe a memory you have with that car. I would say it wasn't my first car, but um, it was the first new car I bought, which was a Datsun 240Z. That was the flag, you know, the Z car was always, but that was the flagship sports car. It was a great car. I loved front-engine, long-hooded GT race cars, Ferraris from the 60s, and E-type Jaguars, and and um, I loved the 240Z, and I bought one, and took great care of it, didn't actually drive it all the time, had another car to drive, but I took great care of it. I actually used it for autocrossing, where I kind of got my feet wet a little bit to go towards sports car racing myself, but nice. it was all around slightly modified Great car to drive. Really enjoyed it. What color was it? Silver. Silver. Oh, that's yeah. kind of nice. Yeah, that's very yeah. nice. I, as a kid, I had a detailing business that I started, and one of my clients bought the first 240Z when it came out. And I remember it was kind of a, a lime green color. Yeah, they had a yellow, kind of a pea-yellow-green color back in the very beginning. Yeah, right? I'd ride my bike over to her house, and She'd let me drive it back to my house and detail it. And I always thought that was so cool, that car. It's like, wow, yeah. looking across that long hood, like you mentioned, very yeah, fun exactly. to drive. Yeah, I love it. How about seller's remorse? Is there a vehicle you've owned that you let go that you really wish you had back in your garage today? You know, I really I really don't. I'm very kind of analytical, kind of, you know, I made it rather described a rather rapid decision for a career change. It was actually something that went on for a while that, drove me towards it, but I, I've owned some pretty neat cars. They all came and went at good times and for right reasons and on to the next thing kind of thing. I don't regret buying anything. I don't regret selling any of them. I don't have a burning desire to have any of them back. <laughs> well, you're a lucky guy in that respect because yeah. most of the time when I ask that question, my guess there's a big tear coming through my yeah. my screen or my <laughs> microphone here as I talk to people from all over the world and I always say it's, you know, it's not so much about the car you let go because of what it's worth. It's more of the emotion because, you know, car prices today with vintage cars have just gone through the roof, but it's more of that emotional tie. But you're a very fortunate guy to be able to answer in that way. How about current projects? What are you guys working on there now at Ed Pink Racing Engines that really have you guys fired up? The Singer modified 911 engine project is really good just because, not just because, but one of the main things about it is that they want to, they're driven to build the best thing they can. Mm-hmm. And every time we open up an area as we work on it, 
they have us develop it. They retrofit it to cars in production. They're motivated to make the best thing they can. So we're working on those constantly. And and um, they've been very. They were the first one we did was very good, and and um, uh, they're very happy with it. And the owner is. It's got a lot of time on it, and it's gone well. But we've managed to even make them better, and I, I like doing that. And yeah, I will say that I've always been interested in automotive auto racing so primarily from a technology standpoint but i am uh, definitely intrigued by some of the older engines we get here we have recently seen some engines from just prior to world war one and then seen some production car engines and we've done restorations on for right after world war one wow and what happened in that relatively short period of time of the war, First World War, what it did to automotive engines is unbelievable. It's intriguing, and, you know, we you see a lot of stuff. You hear all the stories, how it came to be, and we do a lot of projects. We do a lot of research on to be sure we get them right, so I learn a lot with a lot of what we do, but, mm-hmm. uh, but it's been good. And this place is, always has something interesting going on, for sure, and I guess. Uh, Add to that with a with a hot rod project at home that um, uh, gives me a, a chance to something I do in the evenings and and uh, enjoy doing that part of it. It's very different from what I do here, so I'm and I'm always looking around for for in, interesting new things. Let I'm going to try to do that. I'm going to learn <laughs> how to do that kind of guy. So very nice. Well. I'll tell our listeners I was fortunate to meet you at Rensport last year, and and I was at a private singer event and got to look at that 4.0 liter engine you built for them, and it's just a little jewel. I mean, it's just such a work of art, and get to hear that thing run and to uh, hear it on the dynamometer, I think you were running it? Yes, we did. Oh, my gosh. It just was screaming. and uh, it's But it's just beautiful to look at. Visiting your shop must be like going to a museum because of all the different era engines that you guys get to work on and learn about. Really, really fascinating. Very cool. Well, here's a very introspective question for you, Frank. If you were a car, what kind of car would Frank be and why? Um, what would I, not what I want to be. No, but it's what not, I not am. what you, we all want to be a, you know, a f- Formula One car or some yeah, kind exactly. of really sexy. I was going to say, some nice red sexy sports car, right? Yeah, but let's, <laughs> this is more about how you perceive yourself kind of as a vehicle. So that makes a kind of a little twist to it here. You know, I would probably say that a nice, well-equipped, high-end sedan. <laughs> with good performance because I think it probably encompasses being practical and useful but a bit surprising. Yeah, so definitely something with a big displacement under the hood, right? Sure, it'd have to have power. And and <laughs> I and I'm and uh, you know, I'm not a overly powerful person, but I would say I'm a little influential and with people in make an impression, I hope. So I, you, you know, having a little power helps make a good impression. <laughs> That's for sure, for sure. Very nice answer. Well, Frank, up next is the last lap. But before we put the pedal to the metal, let's say thank you to today's Cars Yeah sponsor. If you own collector cars and still have a little bit of money left over, congratulations. You're ahead of most people. But what should you do with the money you don't spend on cars? 
Talk to Chris Kimball, Certified Financial Planner Practitioner. For over 20 years, he's been helping people just like you and me with their financial planning and investments. And he's a car guy too. Call 253-722-PLAN. Or you can view his website at www.chrisvkimble.com. Make sure your investments are running on all eight cylinders, or 12, or 16. Securities through Money Concepts Capital Corp. Member, Finra Sipic. Okay, Frank, we're back and we're entering the last lap, and I'm going to fire off a series of questions and ask you to give our listeners some very quick blips of the throttle answers. So you ready? Sure. What's the best automotive advice you've ever received? I would say... Again, not a single piece of advice, but what I've learned all along, which is to work hard, do the absolute best job you can, and don't use excuses for why something didn't happen. (laughs) Great. I love it. Would you share one of your personal habits that you believe has helped contribute to your success over the years? Um, Everybody that knows me knows that I keep to-do lists for all my projects, everything I do. And I prioritize everything on those lists, and I work from those lists. Ah, great way to operate. I I prefer to work from lists, too. I've always said that way I don't have to remember anything. I write it all down. Helps me get through everything during the day. Do you have a resource that you think our listeners would really enjoy? You know, I, I think it depends on a person's interests and their needs when they're looking for resources. The The one thing I would say about that, though, is to absolutely be sure that you know and respect the source that you're getting information from. Oh, gosh, yes. Whether (laughs) books, Internet research, whatever, talking to somebody, be sure that that you're competent, they are an authority, and that information is correct before you use it. Boy, howdy. (laughs) Absolutely. How about a book? Is there one book in particular that you've enjoyed reading that you think our listeners would enjoy as well? I am currently reading Preston Lerner's book. It's a new book on the history of the Ford GT race program. Oh, yeah. Mm -hmm. I like it because he he must have gone through an incredible amount of research, but he found all the people involved in that project, all different layers of people involved in the whole thing. And the book is about the, you know, the why that project happened and how it happened and the success it enjoyed and the setbacks and the drama and everything about what was a very famous race program. I truly enjoyed it. Yeah, I had Preston as a guest on uh, in January, and he was a really interesting guy to talk to. He was kind enough to give away one of his books to a, one of our listeners here, I really enjoy his book, and it was really fun talking to him and the history he has with with Ford Racing. Oh, my gosh. It's fantastic. So I'm glad that you mentioned him. And I'll let our listeners know that you can find links to all these great resources that Frank has shared with us at carsyad.com slash Frank Hansowitz. And Frank's last name is spelled H-O-N-S-O-W-E-T-Z. All right, Frank, we are up to the checkered flag, and this last question can be a real doozy. And for a guy like you that have been around some pretty cool cars, this might be easy or could be tough. If you could have only one collector car in your garage, but don't worry about the price because I'm going to buy it for you, what would that one vehicle be and why? I'm afraid it 
and then I'm not going to answer that the right way, probably. Um, <laughs> you know, I'm, I'm, my interest in cars and stuff is, is so diverse that, um, I don't think I could do it with one. Well, you know what? I've had 432 guests before you, and everybody has answered that question. Some have asked if they could put a couple cars in there, and I've said, no, sorry, can't do that. Got to pick one. So, well, well, I'll push you a little bit on this, but if we can narrow it down to just today, maybe. (laughs) Well, I'll tell you, if I was going to have one today, I mean, I'd love to own a hot rod, a sports car, and a truck. Oh, yeah. And um, But if I had to pick one, I'd pick a hot rod. A hot rod. Okay. Yep. I mean, I've had race cars for 30-plus years. I've worked on sports cars. I've done a bunch of stuff. And um, I would have to say that um, I still have a huge passion for hot rods. And um, You mentioned you were building one in your garage, right? Yes, I am. Yeah. What, what kind of car are you building right now? I am building a 51 Mercury. Oh, Merc. Cool. Not a tail dragger, 50s era kind of one. It has a lot of those touches to it, but it's it's not going to violate all those, the concepts of it, but it's going to be different. And um, it's very uh, extensively modified, and it's just, it's the journey to finishing it is going to be as much fun as owning and driving it when I'm done. <laughs> as it should be. Well, let's go back to this choice of cars. I'm going to try to narrow this down with you a little bit more. You said a hot rod. So if you could have any hot rod in the world, and let's say, you know, it's already built by some famous builder, or maybe I let you build it and I just pay for all the parts and the fun. When we're talking hot rod, it, would it be like the car you're building? Or are you talking like a Deuce Coupe? Or what kind of hot uh, rod are we I'm, talking about? Yeah, You know, I'm so over the Deuce Coupe, the 32. I think there's more 32s exist now than Henry Ford ever built. <laughs> Probably yeah. so. But I'm... It, I, I mean, I really like the Mercury. I always, always did. And it's something my wife and I talked about 20 years ago. Uh-huh. When I quit racing, seriously, sports car racing stuff, I'll build a hot rod and this is what I'm going to build. Yeah. And she, she may have thought it was going to happen in a few years, but it eventually it did happen. And yeah. it's underway. And, and I do, it, it's, um, it embodies everything I want in a hot rod. It's just like, Everybody in my age bracket does. You you go back, and if it's not the same car, it's a car built with touches and features that you wish you had in a hot rod when you were a teenager. And yeah. I'm putting all those into it, and it's going to be red. It's going to have a giant big block. It's going to have huge back tires. It's all the things I wanted in a hot rod as a kid. Nice. So I'm, <laughs> I'm doing that. That's why I say I think I would, since my interest started in hot rods and i have a hot rod now that you make me pick a car it's going to be a hot rod and it it would probably be this i wouldn't build this 51 mercury if i didn't have a passion for it yeah well i love your answer and i guess since you didn't pick actual car you can just send me the bills every month as you uh work on this thing and i'll just kind of help you along how's that for a deal there you go cool (laughs) very cool all right the check's in the mail as i always say Well, Frank, you have taken me on a great ride today. I've really enjoyed your stories. And I want to thank you for sharing your journey with the Car Show listeners and with me. Could you give us one parting piece of guidance before you drive off to the sunset in that 51 Mercury hot rod? You know, I think we're just back to the same deal where I 
try to help everyone that works here to have all the tools, all the information, everything they need so that our products can be the best thing we can produce. And and I am always been motivated by trying as hard as I can to do the best job I can. And and I try and influence people that work for me and such with the same mindset, and, and I think I've been pretty successful at that. I think so. What's the best way for our listeners to learn more about Ed Pink Engines? You know, we, we have a website, edpink.com. Pretty simple. <laughs> Easy to yep. remember. Yes, it is. We keep everything simple. The basic stuff is very simple here because yeah. the rest of it gets complicated. Oh, so. yeah. But um, we have a Facebook page. and Nice. And uh, there's a lot of media around just because everything's so interesting here that stories pop up periodically. And, yeah. It, and as you saw, the exposure association with the singer design people and brings more awareness to our company. and Absolutely. Around. But the website, all, and we try to put interesting stuff on the Facebook page, primarily just so... Um, people get to see the fun stuff we get to do. Oh, great. Awesome. Well, and I'll make sure, too, I put a link to the video you shared with me up on your show notes page at CarsYeah.com. Listeners, you can find links to everything, again, Frank has shared with us today at CarsYeah.com. Just type Frank in the search bar, and his show notes page will pop right up. Hey, Frank, thanks again for taking some time out today from your fun job there at Ed Pink Racing Engines and being so generous with your time and your experience. And I want to thank you for sharing your journey with the listeners and with me. Until we talk again, I'll see you down the road. Okay, thank you very much, Mark. I enjoyed it. You're welcome. Thank you so much for joining us on today's ride here at Cars Yeah. Drive on over to CarsYeah.com to find show notes and inspiring automotive fun. Download your free copy of Filler Up, a fun book filled with gorgeous photographs of fuel filler fun, including quotes from more inspiring automotive enthusiasts. Download your copy today, and we'll see you next time on Cars Yeah!